This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning to you. Thank you. It is a great morning. I am so excited about this morning. We are going to continue our journey together in this encounter series today. And uh, I'm, I'm just so excited. A couple of things to help you on this journey this morning in your programs. Uh, you have some teaching notes. Go ahead and pull those out. That'll be really helpful for you. Later on this morning, uh, we're going to be filling out those uh, Take Hold Initiative commitment cards. So you can pull that out as well from your program. If we have not met yet, my name is Kevin, and I work here at the church, and I get to, uh, to teach and preach from time to time, and it's just a joy when I get to do it. Uh, and so I just, I'd love to meet you after service, love to connect with you. I hope if it's your first time, you feel very welcomed and that you know this is a free place to just to be yourself and to connect with God and connect with other people. We are so excited that you're here. I was at a three-year-old and four-year-old birthday party yesterday, which was very excited. Uh, I got the invite because I have a cool daughter and she got invited to it was a princess party. And so I was taken to it as well, which is awesome. And I was talking to uh, the dad of the of the the birthday girls, and uh, I said, "Hey, you excited for next week?" He kind of looked at me for a second. He joked. He's like, "Oh yeah, there's another birthday next week, isn't there?" I said, "Oh yeah, there's a huge birthday next week, and we are going to celebrate that birthday. It is Christmas next Sunday, and I can't wait. We're going to have the birth of Jesus to celebrate. And I got to tell you, we're going to throw a rager here at New Life. We really are. It's going to be fantastic. You thought that three-year-old princess party was good. You just wait until Christmas Eve at five thirty and seven. And Christmas morning at 10 o'clock, we're going to have two separate services, a Christmas Eve services, Christmas morning services. They're going to be incredible. They're going to be amazing. You definitely want to make sure to mark your calendars for those. Uh, Christmas is, as I have said and will continue to say probably well into February, my favorite time of the year. Bar none. I love it. It's the time that we stop as a world. Even Starbucks and Target, they, they sing Christmas carols in their stores. We stop and remember that Jesus came to earth so that we could encounter God. That is the main story of Christmas, that God brought us back to himself through the birth and life of Jesus. And it all starts as we celebrate this Christmas day. God came in the flesh so that we could experience forgiveness and live in the freedom that Jesus offers But Ron reminded us last week that we have this tension, we have this trouble, because in our society we are uh, largely a people who play the victim role. We are called to this incredible life of freedom and passion and purpose, and yet we play the victims in this melodrama that we call life. We say, you know what, I'm just an observer in my life, and if it wasn't for my job or it wasn't for my kids or my circumstances or my finances, then I could really have a great life. We're the victims. We play the victim in our lives. But that's not the life that God calls us to. That's not the life that God created us for. He created us to take hold of our lives, to become active participants in our lives, to experience the life that he designed you and I to live, to encounter God, to know him, to follow him with purpose and passion. You were created for more than just the day-to-day ins and outs of the world. You were created to have a mission and a purpose in this world. You were created to live in freedom. 
And how does this work? Well, it's a two-step process, really. The first step is coming to know God, coming to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's having this encounter with Him, and that's what we talk about on Christmas. That's what we actually talk about every Sunday that we come, encountering God in the flesh, because you cannot live the life you were created for if you do not know the one who created you. And so the first step is that we would encounter God, that we would come into a personal relationship, not your parents' relationship, not your kids' relationship, not your spouse's relationship with God, but a personal relationship with Him. And then after we have that encounter with him, the next step to experiencing freedom and experiencing the life that we were called to live is that we would become followers of Jesus. And that's what we see over and over in the New Testament is that people are called to be followers of him, not just believers in him, but people who actually take that belief and do something with it and follow him. And uh, we see it in the New Testament. We see it in the Old Testament. In a minute, we're going to look at Exodus, which is the second book of the Bible, chapter 24. And in Exodus 24, God's people, the Israelites, are getting ready to enter in into the land that God had promised them centuries before. And they've been in slavery, but their leader Moses, through God's power, has delivered them from slavery out of Egypt. And they're wandering around in this wilderness for some 40 years. And they come to the end of it, and they're going into this land that God has promised them. They're going to this life that God has called them to, that God wants them to experience. And notice what happens as they're preparing to enter into this land. Whoa! Right? Young at heart and young in voice. Those are the two, as I get older, that I realize. Exodus 24, 7. Then... Moses took the book of the covenant and he read it to the people. Now, the book of the covenant is the book of God's law. It's all the law of God. So we got to imagine this group of, of all these Jews, this nation comes together and Moses reads them all the law of God. And the people responded, we will do everything that the Lord has said and we will understand it. We will obey it. We will do what he says to do. To, he says to do. And it's interesting, and I want to kind of break this down a little bit for us here. The people are responding unison in one together as a church, as a community. We will do everything that the Lord has said. That word do is the Hebrew word, which is the original language, asah. So so we will asah, we will do everything he said. And we will obey it. That word obey is shema in the Hebrew language. And the reason why I mention this is because that word shema means both obey and understand. And so what the people are saying here is, we will do everything that the Lord has said, and then we will understand why he said it. See, it's in doing, it's in following, that we fully understand what it means to live life with God. It's not just this knowing God in our head, it's this doing the things of God so that we can understand God better, so we can understand the purpose of life better and the meaning of life more fully. And so the question we need to ask ourselves this morning is are we going to be Exodus 24-7 people? Are we going to be an Exodus 24-7 church that lives the 24-7 life doing everything that God has called us to do and experiencing the life we were created for? See, this faith is a 24-7 kind of faith. It's not a one-day-a-week kind of faith. It's not a five-minutes-in-the-morning kind of faith. It's an everyday faith, Exodus 24-7. We will do everything the Lord has commanded, and then as we do it, we will understand what it means to follow 24-7, every day, all day. And we know that that's the kind of thing we need to do to succeed in life, right? You can't uh, do half the work in school and expect to get good grades. 
You can't love your spouse half the time and expect to have a good marriage. And we, we know if we follow this line of thinking out, we cannot expect to give ourselves partway to God and experience the life he called us to. It just doesn't work that way. We give ourselves completely to God, and then we experience the life that he's called us to. I want to give a little quick refresher from last week for anyone who missed last week, because last week, by the way, we laid out this big vision for the next two years. If you missed it, you've got to get on the website and listen to it. But here's a, a quick two-minute refresher for you. Last week, I talked about John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, where Jesus says, if you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples. Basically, he's saying, if you do everything that I teach, then you're my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You'll know the truth. You'll experience this life that I want for you, and you will know freedom. And friends, this is why I'm so excited that uh, we just finished this New Testament challenge. And I want to say a congratulations, by the way, to everyone who read through the entire New Testament in 12 weeks. That is a huge thing. Way to go, you guys. I'm really proud of you. You should give yourself a hand because that's really exciting. Uh, I really am. And those of you who are like half clapping because you made it like most of the way through, and you're like, ah, I feel bad. Don't worry, okay? You can keep reading. There's no rule that says you have to stop reading your Bible at the end of 12 weeks. You can make it through. I would set a goal if I were you. Try to finish the rest of the New Testament by New Year's Day. Or try to finish it by the first week in January, the second week in January. Set a goal. Finish it. Here's why I'm excited about it. We've seen the teachings of God. We've seen what the early church did as they followed after God. And now we can do it. Because we've seen it. We've seen what it means to be followers of Jesus. And for the next two years, our church is going to be on this journey that we're calling the Take Hold Initiative. A journey of experiencing God, encountering Him, and living the life we are called to live. And the Take Hold Initiative comes out of 1 Timothy 6, verse 12, uh, where Paul says to Timothy, Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul's reminding this young church leader, Timothy, when you encountered God, when you invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life, he promised you an incredible life. He promised you a life of purpose and passion, a life that has impact, that makes a difference to those around you. Take hold of it. Grab it. Do not let it pass you by. See, the implication is that we could see this life that God has for us, and we could just let it pass by. We could be observers and not actually grab it. But we're saying we're going to take hold of this life. We're going to encounter God as a church. We're going to get intimate with our Savior because God came to be intimate with us. That's why he was born as a child because there's something intimate about a child. That's why he lived in flesh to show us that he can be intimate with us, to show us what it means to be intimate with God the Father. And we can be intimate with God. And then we can experience this incredible life. And so for the next two years, we're going to hit on some key areas of life. We're going to take hold in eight key areas. We're taking hold of our finances. And that's where we're going to start because a lot of us are bound and trapped by finances, and we need to find freedom there. So in January, we're going to hit on our finances. Um, we're going to be uh, turning the places that we live into neighborhoods, turning the places that we work into neighborhoods, not just having acquaintances, but forming relationships and friendships so that we can love people and we can impact their lives. And so we're going to be talking about that as we head into the spring. Uh, we're going to take hold of our health and wellness because we want to have uh, strong physical bodies so that we can live this life that God called us to. We don't want to be taken prematurely from this earth when God has more work for us to do. We're going to do something that I'm really excited about called a servolution. And we're going to have a church-wide servolution. We're going to have a city-wide servolution. We're going to have a worldwide servolution. We are going to be people who serve, who love God and love others and show it by the way that we serve. 
In 2013, we're going to be talking about mentorship because every single one of you has something to teach someone else. And every single one of you has something that you can learn from someone else. And so we're going to be pairing you up in mentorship relationships, giving the opportunity to learn from someone and to teach someone, to take an active part in someone else's growth. We're going to encounter God through prayer and fasting and worship. We're going to look at things like parenting because we know that God-honoring parenting is really the hope for this next generation. And so we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about parenting. We're going to go for it. Friends, God is on the move in, in this church. I know he's on the move in your life. I heard story after story last Sunday of people saying, man, we were just talking about that at home last week, how we wanted to work in this area of life or work in this area of life. We wanted to experience God more here. I had a ton of first-time guests come up to me, probably six or seven last week, who said, we've been looking for a church that's doing something. And this church is actually doing something. We want to be part of it. God is on the move. And I think he's calling us to follow. Not just individually, but as a church. He's calling us to follow after him as a community of faith that really knows him, that's really deeply engaged with him, really fully connected with him. To be the church that we see in the New Testament, that loves God passionately, that serves people freely, that cares about him deeply. And I'm guessing, and this is just a guess, I'm guessing some of you went home last week and you were fired up about this because I know I was excited about it. But then you read John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32 again, where Jesus says, if you hold to my teachings, if you do everything I call you to do, you're my disciples, and then you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And you thought, how can you do that? That's too hard. I can't do everything Jesus said to do. That's crazy. No one can live that kind of life. And you got discouraged, and you got a little nervous. Or maybe you're hearing me uh, read the words of Moses in Exodus 24-7 and call us to a 24-7 commitment to God. And you're thinking, no one can live that kind of life. And I want to tell you, God is not asking us as a church to be perfect. But he is asking us to be perfectly committed. He is asking us to say, I'm going to give myself to you fully, and I'm going to connect with you deeply. And it's not, I'm not always going to succeed, but I'm always going to be following after you with everything I have and everything that I am. I initially called this message, uh, It's Not That Hard. That's what I was going to title this message. And then I started writing it and started thinking about our lives and thinking about these eight areas of life and realized, you know what? It is pretty hard. I mean, let's be honest. There's at least one area for all of us where this is pretty hard. For me, the health and wellness is the part that I'm actually concerned about because I am uh, skinny unhealthy. That's my kind of my combination. I'm skinny, but I am unhealthy, and I know that, and I know that that's not the way I got to live. So I got to make some changes as I hear from God, as I encounter God. For some of you, it might be parenting. You might think, you know what? I've blown it too much. I just hear that, and I'm already discouraged. I've already checked out. I can tell you, you can come back from that. And it may be hard. You may have dug yourself deep into a hole, but guess who's in that hole with you? Jesus Christ is in that hole with you, and he wants to walk out of that hole with you. He wants to help you. He wants to guide you. Yeah, it's going to be hard, but you were created for it. This is not something that is other than what you were created to do. You were created to live an intimate life with God. You were created to experience him in incredible ways. That's what you were made for. And yeah, it, it might be hard but it's going to be worth it. Because following God is not always easy, but it is always worth it. I want to say that again. It is always, without exception, worth it to follow after God. 
I want to give us three reasons why this kind of life is not impossible. Three reasons why you actually can do this, why you can live this kind of life. And the first is this. You can live this kind of life, this 24-7, fully committed to God, working in your life, allowing God to move and lead. You can live this kind of life. It is possible because you love God. In 1 John chapter 5, the author says this. He says, in fact, this is love for God, that we keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. You ever thought about that? The things that God says to do in the Bible are not supposed to be a burden to us. They were never intended to be a burden to us. They were supposed to free us. He says, this is the love of God, that we keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. What John is saying here is, as we experience the deep love of God, and that's what we're talking about this Christmas season, God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. He sent his son to earth that whoever believes in him would not perish, would not die, but have everlasting life. That's what we're talking about, that kind of love, this extravagant love. When we experience God's love in our lives, we respond by loving him. And how does that love take shape? It takes shape by keeping his commands, and his commands are not a burden for us. I woke up on Monday morning at 3 a.m. and I had an experience that some of you may have had from time to time. I woke up at 3 a.m. and I immediately got a pit in my stomach thinking about all the things I had to get done this past week. You ever had that? Where you feel like there is more to get done this week than there are hours in the day to do it. And all of a sudden your mind starts going. All you want to do is go back to sleep because you know there's so much to get done this week. But your mind starts racing and making lists of all the work you have to get done and trying to organize it. But you're only half awake, and so you're only getting part of the list. And at some point, like a pink elephant comes floating through the picture, and you don't really understand. But that just stresses you out even more. I had that kind of morning on Monday morning, and Maria finally woke up at 5.45, and I just told her, I got to tell you, honey, I am stressed out. I'm, I'm beyond stressed out. We've got so much to do. And you know why I'm really sad? Because Christmas is coming up, and I'm stressed out about Christmas. I'm stressed out about Christmas Eve and Christmas morning and getting everything done, because that's part of my job, to make sure that it's good and ready for us. And it's going to be good, by the way. It's going to be really, really good. And she was incredible. I've got to brag about my wife for a second. She was incredible. Um, when I get stressed out, my back gets sore, and so my back was hurting. I had that, like, old man thing right? Where like my back is just sore and I'm like grumbling a little bit. She came over and she gave me a back rub. She told me she believed in me. She told me I could do it. And you know, like guys, you know, when your wife tells you they believe in you, it just does something. You're like, oh, I can do it. That's right. That's right. I can. She got the kids breakfast and got them ready to go. She made coffee for us. She even made me lunch, which is a big deal because she doesn't make me lunch all that often. And I give her a hard time about it because Justin who's on staff with us, his wife makes him lunch all the time. And so, uh, so I give Maria a hard time, and she's like, you can never say again that I never made you lunch. And I say, I will say that you never, never made me lunch on Monday morning, because you did make me lunch today. But we're, anyway, she made me lunch, and it was a good lunch. It was a big sandwich. Oh, so good, so good. I got to tell you, I felt so loved by Maria on Monday morning. I so cared for by her. And later on that morning, I was getting ready to walk out the door. She was upstairs uh, with the kids getting ready. And as I was about to walk out the door, I noticed that our dishwasher was full of clean dishes. And I noticed that our sink was full of dirty dishes. 
And then I remembered she has mentioned to me on one or two occasions that she would really appreciate it if I saw that the dishwasher was clean and that the sink was full of dirty dishes. She would appreciate if I did the dishes. So what did I do? I did the dishes. Now, I don't like doing dishes in and of themselves, but I got to tell you, doing dishes on Monday was not a burden for me because I had just experienced the overwhelming love of my wife, and I was showing love to her by doing something she had asked me to do. And that's what First John is saying here. John is saying, this is the love of God, that we keep his commands, and his commands are not a burden to us because we've experienced his love in our lives, and we show him our love back by doing the things he calls us to do. In response to God's incredible love, how could we do anything less than give ourselves fully and completely to him? So you can live this kind of life. It's possible for you to do it because you love God. You can live the kind of life that God's calling you to do. It is possible to live this way because you were created to live this way. You were created to live this way. I want to be clear, because some of you may have had this running through your minds. I don't know for sure. The take-hold initiative is not about earning our salvation. It's not about doing something to earn our salvation. It's about living the life that we were created to live. Notice what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It is by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not something you've done. It's not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, not by anything you can do so that no one can boast. And see, over and over again in Scripture, we see this idea that we are not saved by anything we can do. We are saved because of the grace of God. He sent Jesus to die on a cross to forgive us of our sins. And we're saved because we have faith in him. Not by works so that we cannot boast. But when we talk about faith, what we're talking about here is a conviction that leads us to action. I I was thinking about it this way. I believe or I have faith that gravity exists in this room. And I have faith that gravity will continue to exist in this room for as long as I'm up here on stage talking. Which is why I can walk around here on stage and I'm not standing here trying to hold myself down. Right? If I didn't believe, if I didn't have faith that gravity would continue, you would see me doing this. And that would be odd. But I do have faith and that faith leads me to action. That faith draws me out so that I can walk around on here like a normal human being. Which is why Paul goes on to say in verse 10, we are God's handiwork. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God created us to live a certain way. He created us to be a certain kind of people whose faith in God moves us to action. And that's what we're talking about with this Take Hold Initiative. It's about having faith in God, which then draws us into action, which causes us to move, which says we can do these things because God says we can do them. He prepared in advance for us to do these kind of things so we can do this, even though it could be hard. You can take hold of your life because you love God. You can take hold of your life because you were created to take hold of your life. And finally, you can live this life that God's calling you to because God empowers you to live this kind of life through his Holy Spirit working within you. 
God knows that you and I face challenges. He knows we face situations that are difficult, sometimes feel overwhelming. And he knows that our natural propensity is fear. When we see new things come up, when we see new challenges, our natural thing to do is that we make excuses and we get scared. I can't do this. My past prohibits me from living this kind of future. The things that I'm doing, my limitations mean that I cannot do this. And we get scared and that fear freezes us up. We become paralyzed in it and we cannot take action in our lives, which is why over and over again, over 365 times in the Bible, God uses the phrase, fear not. Do not be afraid. Why? Because fear paralyzes us. But God wants us to be people of action. Notice what uh, we see in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. The Spirit of God did not give us a spirit to make us timid. That word means fearful. God didn't give us a spirit that makes us fearful, afraid, scared. But God gives us, through his Holy Spirit, power and love and self-discipline. God's promise to everyone who follows after him is that the Holy Spirit is living inside of you and he's giving you certain things. According to 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy 1.7, he's giving you love and power and self-discipline to live the kind of life that God wants you to live, to be successful in this journey. And what God would not want us to do is to, to check out right now, to say, I just can't do it. It'll never change. God says, it will change. Your life can change. You can have the life that I've called you to live. Notice what Paul says in Philippians 4. He says, I can do all things. I can do all things. Not some things, not most things, not easy things. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I guess what I want to say to us this morning, more than anything else, you can take this journey. You can get on board with God for the next two years, and you can live this kind of life, a life that's incredible. A life where God is more closely connected to you, more intimate with you than ever before. A life where you are experiencing healing in broken relationships, where you are taking hold of key areas. You can have this kind of life because the Holy Spirit gives you power to do it. He gives you love to do it, and he gives you self-discipline to do it. Uh, I told you that we were going to pull out those take-hold initiative commitment cards. They look just like this. So go ahead and pull it out of your program right now. And, and flip it over to the back. On the back of it, we have our key verse for this next two years, which is 1 Timothy 6, 12. And I want to encourage you, memorize this verse. Sink it deep into your heart. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Last week, Ron asked us to take these cards home and to pray about them with a spouse or a close friend. And then come back this week ready to make our commitments to God, ready to fill them out. And we're asking you to fill them out for a number of reasons uh, that, that I'm going to talk about in just a second. But first, let's just look over this for a second. Let's see what we're committing to as a church. The first one is I'm committing to be in God's word at least five times a week. That means we're getting into the Word. We're getting into Scripture. We're seeing the kind of life we were created for. Friends, this is the foundation. This is why we're coming out of this New Testament challenge into this new year, because God wants us to take hold of this life by knowing Him in His Word. And I want to encourage everyone to mark that down. That means, by the way, if you are spending time by yourself with God five days in the week, and you are in church one day in the week, 
That means six out of seven days you're already connecting with God in his word. That's pretty incredible. And I would say go to seventh day. Why stop there? Why limit yourself? Uh, For the last five months or so, I've been committing to, I will be in the word every day, seven days a week, rain or shine. And I got to tell you, I feel more connected to God than ever before. It's been incredible. The second one is I'm going to engage in a life group each of these three sessions because the truth is we need each other. We cannot do this on our own. There is no lone ranger Christian. So we're saying mark it down, commit to being in a life group. We have three sessions. Each one is 12 weeks long. Be with other people who are on this journey. I'm committing to attend church every week that I'm in town. Yeah, that's a great thing, okay? Be in church. Worship with God's people. God created us to be together to worship. I'm committing to get my financial life in order. I'm committing to love my neighbors in a way that draws them to Jesus. I'm committing to achieving and maintaining a healthy lifestyle. And I'm committing to serving in ways that reveal God's love to the watching world. And in just a minute, I'm just going to give you about a minute and a half to spend a a few seconds praying into that. You've already spent time thinking and praying about that this week. And then make your commitments. And I want to encourage you, commit to all of them. Commit to all of it. Take this journey with us. Don't say, I'll do this, but I don't think I want to do that. These are all good things that will help you connect deeply with God. This is going to be our commitment for this next year. Here's why we're asking you to commit. Because when you put it down on paper, it makes it real. Right? Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever written somebody an email that you wish you could take back? Because, but the minute you put it down on paper, it was gone. It was real. It was there. This is a good way for it to be real. Put it down on paper. It's real. When you put it down on paper, we will be praying for you. Our prayer teams will be praying for you by name specifically for the things you're committing to. And putting it on paper helps us help you stay accountable to the things that God is calling you to. So throughout the course of this next year, uh, let's say you want some information on health and wellness. You're going to take that and you're going to get control of that area of your life. When some special uh, events come up or when teaching series come up, when life groups come up, in that area, we're going to email you. We're going to tell you about it. We're going to give you opportunities to sign up in advance. We're going to do all these things for you. We're going to help you stay accountable. We're going to try to take away any barrier that we can so that you can connect with God. But we got to know that you're making this commitment so we can help you keep the commitment that you're making. And so what I'd like to do is I'm going to pray for you a prayer that comes out of Ephesians chapter 3 about experiencing God's love. And then I'm going to give you just a minute to fill out that card. This is your response card for the week, by the way. This is the way that you uh, commit to applying the message for the day. Normally it's on your Connect card, but today we're doing it on this commitment card. It's a special day for us. And as a church, we're saying, let's commit to this. Let's be the church that God called us to be. Let's really live this kind of life. So would you join me? I just want to pray for you now. So join me, let me pray for you, and then let's fill out these cards together. Let's pray. God, I pray that out of your glorious riches— you would strengthen my friends with power through your Holy Spirit, just like you promised to do in Ephesians. And that you would dwell in each of our hearts through faith. And I pray that each of us would be rooted and established in love, in your deep love for us. And that we would have power together with all of God's people to know how wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of Jesus Christ really is for us. And that we would know this love that surpasses all knowledge and understanding. And Lord, I pray that that love would stir us to action. 
would call us to take hold of this life that we live now, to not be observers, to not be victims, but to take action in our lives, to live the life we were created for. So as my friends fill out their commitment cards, and as I fill out mine, Lord, would you be guiding us to the commitment you would have us make? And would you help us to, to live that out over the course of this next 12 months? So that we could look back and say, man, that marked an incredible time of growth in my life. I did all that the Lord has commanded, and now I understand why he was telling me to do it. Would that be the truth for each of us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.